Welcome to the Hot Crime Cold Coffee podcast with Pauline and Angie. Each week we bring you new episodes on Wednesdays and Fridays. Each episode includes our favorite coffee that we're drinking, a missing person spotlight, and whatever case we're currently working on. We also have bonus episodes Monday through Friday, daily cup of true crime in 15 minutes or less, where we share trivia, true crime updates and headlines, and fun facts. So join us. Please be sure to follow us on social media for bonus material. Listener discretion is advised due to sensitive and sometimes violent content. Hey there, and welcome to episode two of the Hot Crime Cold Coffee podcast. It's just me, Pauline, today, but Angie will be on this coming Wednesday. And this was supposed to post on Friday, but I was having issues posting it. I'm not sure why that doesn't happen very often. So who knows why it happened. And then over the weekend, I got a little selfish because I have 15 siblings and one of my siblings I haven't seen in 13 years, and he randomly showed up, and so I spent the weekend just visiting with my brother because I don't get to see him very often. The reason Angie isn't here today is because she was hunting down a dead body when I recorded this last Tuesday, so I'll let her share that with you. It's a pretty hysterical story. Hi there, and welcome to episode two of the Hot Crime Cold Coffee podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the who's who and the Valo Daybell case, your coffee flavor of the day, and just a couple updates. So sit back and enjoy. So when September 1st rolls around, everyone's like, yay, pumpkin spice. Me, not so much, but hey, I do need to embrace the season. So instead, I really love wake the hell up uh, headless horseman coffee it's pumpkin with coffee not pumpkin spice and it is absolutely delicious I like to add a little bit of vanilla creamer it comes ground or in pods and it is absolutely amazing there is a link on our website hotcrimecoldcoffee.com try it it's absolutely yummy the person that I chose today for our missing person spotlight is Dior Coombs. He was two years old when he disappeared on July 10th, 2015. And the reason I decided to pick him for our missing person spotlight, well, there were a couple of different reasons. The first one is that we're focusing on the Valo Daybell case, which occurred in Idaho. And this little boy disappeared not very far from there, also in Idaho. And I'm a mom. And I cannot imagine my little boy being gone for so long and not being able to find him. And the third reason is that my family, we spend a lot of time down in Idaho. We live on the Montana-Idaho border. And we go down and spend a lot of time down there camping. And every single time that we go down there, we actually drive right past this campground where this little boy disappeared. I struggle trying to figure out why they haven't found him yet and how he disappeared. Dior Koons was only two years old when he vanished 
July 10th, 2015, while camping out at the Timber Creek Campground. Um, this is out in Lador, Idaho. And he, he was with his mom, Jessica Mitchell, and his father, Vernal Georgian. He was also with his great-grandpa, Robert Walton, and Isaac Rhineland, who's a friend of the family. It's very wooded. Um, it is near a creek, and I can understand a little boy wandering off. My kids wander off when they're in the woods. I hate it, but they do, and I always have to find ways to bring them back um, and also keep them engaged at our campsite. No one knows what happened. Um, they went fishing, they were hanging out, he was with his great-grandpa, and then he just vanished. No one wants to say or believe that maybe someone in his family did something to him. Um, both of his parents were deemed suspects at one point by law enforcement, but no one has ever been charged or arrested. And as we say here, you know, until there's charges, until someone's proven guilty, they're deemed innocent. Out in this campground, I mean, you could have fallen in between rocks. You could have fallen into the creek and drowned. It's a shallow creek, so it's not like you could have drifted away um, unless there was a lot of flooding. And there could have been in June because of the snow melt. We've gone down there in June and the mountains are still, still have a pretty heavy snowpack. Um, it's been searched multiple times. Um, Private investigators have been involved trying to find this little boy and he's still missing. It's been seven years now and there are still no answers. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of this little boy, you hear something, see something, know something, you can contact any law enforcement agency in Idaho. The office currently in charge of this investigation is the Lemhi County Sheriff's Office. Their phone number is 208-756-8980. Dior Kuntz has been missing since July 10th of 2015 from Lador, Idaho. He was born December 30th, 2012. He would be nine years old. Uh, a little boy, white, blonde hair, brown eyes. Uh, three feet tall, 28 pounds. He was last seen wearing a camouflage jacket and blue pajama pants. So I have a couple updates for crime news and tidbits. One of the things that I thought that was really cool was that there was a case this week that both the victim and the perpetrator were both identified using genealogical DNA. So this is the same way that they found the Golden State Killer was that they had DNA but they didn't know where it came from. And so what they did is that they were able to identify the Golden State Killer by finding a match, a distant match of his DNA of someone that he was related to creating a family tree, narrowing everybody down, and then figuring out who he was. And it's only been a couple of years, but they have used genealogical DNA to 
find multiple killers and victims. Um, also rapists, missing children. It has become a really wonderful tool in helping to identify um, Jane and John Doe's as well as perpetrators. In 1988, two Department of Transportation employees found the body of a young woman who had been strangled on the side of Interstate 59 in Dade County, which is about five miles from the Alabama state border. They did everything that they could, but they weren't able to identify her. And back then the tools were very limited and how they could identify someone. It was basically you make a sketch, you post it, and you hope for the best. But nowadays, you've got genealogical DNA, you have much better sketch artists, and you can distribute these posters and information all over the world. It's so much easier. You do it with a click and all of a sudden it's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It gets shared very quickly. So the name of the victim, um, they discovered who it was back in March, and her name was Stacy Lynn Chahorsky, who was 19 years old. She was very free-spirited, and she was hitchhiking across the United States. She loved to travel, and as much as they know, maybe that she got um, picked up by her killer, who was a truck driver and that highway was his route all through Georgia. They were able to also use genealogical DNA to identify him and it was made public last week, so, or this week. And it's the very first time that they have used genealogical DNA to identify the victim and to identify the killer. The killer's name is Henry Frederick Wise, and he died not very, it wasn't much long after. I can't find a date of his exact death, but he was a stunt driver, and he basically was in the middle of doing a vehicle stunt, and he crashed, burned alive, and died. I'm glad that her family finally has some answers and some comfort knowing that what happened to her or as much as they can about what happened to her and that um, they were able to find out who killed her. But it must also be hard too because he can never be brought to justice because he's died since then. So I'm sure it's bittersweet. And I have just one more case that I wanted to bring up before we get to the Vallo Daybell case. So I'm following your own backyard podcast and it is, they just finished up week eight of the trial and Kristen Smart disappeared on May 25th, 2002. They never found her body or anything like that. The other case that I wanted to bring up today was the one of Kristen Smart. The trial is underway. They just finished up week eight. And this is a very unique case. She's been missing since May 25th of 1996. 
and presumed to be dead. Her family in 2002 had her declared legally dead and they've never found a body. There's been suspects and the person who's currently facing the charges linked to her presumed murder is Paul Flores and his father Ruben Flores is also on trial for aiding and abetting. There's some commonalities when it comes to this case and the Valo Daybell one and so I found it really intriguing. I'm getting caught up on the podcast episodes of your own backyard. Podcasting can be a very powerful thing and Chris Lambert who hosts your own backyard has been very instrumental in Paul and Ruben Flores being charged and going to trial. It's been a pretty high profile case in the media over the years, but Chris Lambert really put a spotlight on it and was able to get a lot of answers and have law enforcement focus on it more so that someone could be brought to justice. What's unique in this case is that there is no body. Everything is circumstantial and she's still missing, but they do presume that she was murdered and that she is dead. So next week is week nine and I think I will have updates as they come along or if there's something unique during the uh, daily podcast episodes that I do. When Angie and I decided that the first case that we were going to focus on was the Vallow Daybell case, we weren't sure where we were going to start because it is so complex. There's always something new coming out. There's always some new development and it's really hard to keep track. So what we've decided to do is we're going to introduce to you the people who are involved, whose names keep coming up. We're going to follow the timeline all the way to 2019 and then move forward with that. So if you're just getting started on this case, if first time listener, first time discoverer, of the Lori Vallow Chad Daybell case, then this is probably a pretty good start for you. You can find the complete who's who on our website. It should be done today or later tomorrow. And I'm hoping to get some graphics done, but I'm having trouble doing them because there's so many people involved. I can't fit them all into one graphic. So there might be two or three. We decided to start with the victims and then go through the rest of the individuals involved or mentioned a lot in this case. There are four victims currently on this case. There may have been more. We will never know. The victims are Tylee Ryan, JJ Vallow, Tammy Daybell, and Charles Vallow. Tylee Ryan is the daughter of Lori Vallow and Joseph Ryan. Joseph Ryan is deceased and her mother is Lori Vallow Daybell. 
Lori is the one who's being charged for the murder of Tylee. JJ Vallow is Tylee's adopted brother, and he's the adopted son of Lori Vallow and Charles Vallow. He's the biological son of Mandy Legger and Todd Trahan, and his mom, his grandmother is Kay Woodcock. Kay was the one who got law enforcement involved to try to find JJ, and Lori, his mother, is currently being charged with his death. JJ was adopted by Lori and her fourth husband, Charles, who is also now deceased. The third victim is Tammy Daybell. She is the wife of Chad Daybell, and he's currently being charged with her murder. The fourth victim is Charles Vallow. He was the stepfather to Tylee Ryan, the adopted father of JJ Vallow. His sister is Kay Woodcock, and Lori Vallow will be cha facing charges for his murder after her trial in Idaho is concluded. So Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell are currently facing charges together as co-defendants in the murder of all four of these individuals. Um, for Charles Vallow's death, they did not indict Chad. They believe that he was involved quite a bit, but there wasn't enough evidence or there's not enough evidence yet to indict him. Lori's family is involved in this case in a lot of different ways, so it's kind of important to know who they are. Her parents are Barry Cox and Janice Cox. Janice has given an interview or two. Barry is elusive. You can't find a lot of information about him. There's no current pictures and there's reasons behind that. And when we take our deep dive next week into Lori Vallow, then you might understand why he is not in the media at all. Janice and Barry had five kids, Lori, Alex, Adam, Summer, and Stacy. Stacy died and her daughter, Melanie Boudreaux, became really close with Lori. Lori was like her surrogate mother. And Melanie Boudreaux was involved in the religious teachings of Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow. She was in their little group. Lori's brother Alex may have been involved in the murders, but he died in November right around the time that the kids were reported missing. Lori has only two siblings left alive, Summer Shiflett and Adam Cox. So Lori has been married five times. She was married in 1992 to Nelson Yanes. They got divorced and they had no children. Lori then married William LaJoya in 1995. They divorced in 1996 and they had one son, Colby Ryan. 
Lori then married her third husband, Joseph Ryan, in 2001, and they divorced in 2004. Joseph legally adopted Colby, and he's the biological father of Tylee. He died in 2018 of an apparent heart attack, but there's a lot of suspicious circumstances involving his death, including before his death, Lori's brother, Alex Cox, had apparently tried to kill him with a taser and was convicted of aggravated assault, I believe it was. I'll have to double check that and get back on that. Lori's fourth husband was Charles Vallow. They were married from 2005 to 2009. It ended in Charles' death. He had filed for divorce, but they were going to try to make it work. So at the time of his death, they were separated, but they were still married. And Lori was involved in his death. So was her brother, Alex Cox. Chad was involved, but he has not been indicted. Only Lori. And Charles' sister, Kay, has been the one who really jump-started the investigation into what happened to Tylee and JJ because JJ is her biological son and Charles adopted son and got law enforcement to finally get involved. And that will be mentioned in next week's podcast episode. When we talk about Lori, it's really involved. There's a lot of questions of, how did law enforcement not get involved sooner before all of these people got murdered? Lori's fifth husband is Chad Daybell, and they got married in 2019, just a few weeks after Chad's wife, Tammy, died. Initially, they said that she died of natural causes, but after exhuming her body and doing an autopsy, it was determined that she was murdered. And so Lori and her new husband, Chad, are facing charges for her death and murder, as well as conspiracy, fraud, things like that. Charles Vallow, also known as Leland Charles Anthony Vallow, but went by Charles, was initially the first known victim of this case. He had a pretty big family, two brothers and four sisters. One of his sisters passed away just before he did in July of 2019. His sister Kay Woodcock and her husband Larry are the biological parents of JJ and Charles and Kay were extremely close. Charles also has, out of all of his siblings, he has two brothers that are pretty vocal and have been interviewed a lot. 
They're not directly involved in the case, but they have given a lot of interviews. Jerry and Bobby. Charles Vallow was also married twice previously before he married Lori and he had two sons. We're only mentioning those that have a lot of relevance to the case, mainly because of privacy. So if they haven't given interviews, they're not directly involved in what happened, we're trying not to mention their names. This case has brought about a lot of ugliness. I know that Chad Daybell's children have faced death threats, his grandchildren, people have driven by their homes, done horrible things, and that's just a commonality, unfortunately, when it comes to high-profile cases. So to protect their privacy, we're again, we're only mentioning who we really have to so that you can better understand this case. Zulima Pastenis was married to Alex Cox just two weeks before he passed away in 2019 in November. She was also part of Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell's fringe religious group. And she brought up some really creepy things about Alex and Lori and is not directly involved, but I think she'll be a huge part of getting people to understand what Lori and Chad were involved in. And she may have been an intended victim because it's highly likely that she may have been targeted by Alex and he may have tried to kill her. It's not hearsay because she has mentioned it. She mentioned it in interviews with law enforcement, but she, she could have been another victim. Brandon Boudreaux was married to Melanie Boudreaux, Lori's niece. Melanie has actually gotten remarried to Ian Pulowski, who's also part of, or was part of, Chad and Lori's weird religious group. But Brandon may have been an intended victim as well because someone shot at him. They believe it was Alex, Lori's brother, but they're not sure and they think that Lori and Chad were involved, but there's not enough evidence to indict Chad and Lori for attempted murder. Annie Cushing is Tylee Ryan's biological aunt and Colby Ryan's adopted aunt. She's been pretty involved. She does a lot of interviews and she has a really wonderful timeline. If you're interested in this case, it's at AnnieLytics.com. Lori has a son, Colby. He's her oldest and he's pretty much the only one left in his family.
because Lori is facing prison or the death penalty. His two siblings, Tylee and JJ, are deceased. His biological father, I don't think, is involved. He hasn't been mentioned. His adopted father, Joseph Ryan, is also deceased. And Charles, who he considered a father figure, is also deceased. Chad was married to Tammy Daybell, who died suddenly in October of 2019. She died just a couple weeks after Tylee and JJ have been determined as being murdered. And three weeks after she died, Lori and Chad got married. They bought the wedding rings before Tammy died. And I think that was one of the reasons why law enforcement felt they had enough evidence to determine that maybe Tammy had been murdered and why they were able to get her body exhumed. Tammy's sister, Samantha Gwilliam, has talked to police quite a lot and has given them a lot of really good information as well as given interviews. She saw her sister within a week of Tammy dying. She's not necessarily relevant to the case, but she is involved. Chad and Tammy had five kids. Garth Daybell, Emma Murray, Seth Daybell, Leah Murphy, and Mark Daybell. And they have been vocal about they don't believe that their dad did it or if he was involved he was coerced there's a really good 48 hours episode there will be a link in today's show notes of where you can find it they've been really supportive of their dad which a lot of chad's family have not been supportive of at all including his siblings. They don't understand what happened. Everybody really loved his wife, Tammy, and the more evidence that comes out, they, they can't understand what happened. In fact, Chad's family have been, or his immediate family, not including his kids, have been extremely supportive of Kay and Larry Woodcock and of Annie Cushing as well. Other people that are going to be mentioned in this case, and I believe they will probably be called as witnesses, you have Melanie Gibbs, who was the last person to see J.J. Vallow. She was involved in Lori and Chad's weird little religious group. And she has given some strong testimony so far regarding the last time she saw J.J. Vallow, but... She was also later involved when the kids went missing. Her boyfriend, David Warwick, will also be mentioned. Julie Rowe, who is also considered a part of Chad and Lori's religious group. She's known for her weird, crazy fringe beliefs. And when I say crazy and weird, I grew up in a polygamous group. 
and her beliefs are kind of off the wall. But I think her involvement and her beliefs kind of help snowball Chad and Lori's development of their fanaticism because that's what it is. It's fanaticism and taking a religion and completely warping it is what brought them to this. Other associates of, ja of Chad are Susan Freeman, who had books published by Chad, and Christopher Parrott, who owns a paid forum website where you can have um, LDS or Mormon discussions, and Chad was very active on that forum. Parrott really supported Chad in the beginning and then after the bodies were found, he gave up supporting Chad. And that's kind of what did it for a lot of people was up until JJ and Ty Lee's bodies were found buried on Chad's property in June of 2020. They, they supported Chad. I mean, how could this happen? Maybe he just has a crazy wife. Maybe her brother did something, but when they found the bodies, that's when he lost the majority of his support, except for the support of his own children. The county where JJ and Tylee's bodies were found and where Tammy Daybell was from is Fremont County. So there's a lot of law enforcement from that agency that were involved in this case and law enforcement from Madison County which is Rexburg area they've also been involved that's where Lori was first picked up um, her initial charges I believe had to do with abandonment of minor children because they, they couldn't find where the kids were so they had to find a charge that they could hold her on until they could find out what happened. So she was held in Madison County and now she's held through Fremont County. Chad and Lori have gone through multiple attorneys. In 2019, after the children were determined missing and everyone was looking for them, Sean Bartholick of Rigby, Andrus and Rigby represented them and people couldn't get a hold of him, but he, when he was able to, would tell the media, oh, the kids are fine. The kids are great. The kids are fine. They're safe. Lori is a great mom. Chad is a great dad. And he didn't represent them for very long. After Lori was extradited from Hawaii, Mark Means represented her, but initially he'd been retained by Chad Daybell. Means this year was kicked off of the case because they found a conflict of interest. Lori and Chad are co-defendants, and because Mark Means represented Chad at one time and then Lori, that just doesn't work. It's not kosher at all. So he was kicked off and Lori was appointed other lawyers. Because both of them are facing the death penalty and this is a very complicated case, 
there's certain criteria that you have to have in order to prosecute someone who's facing the death penalty and also to represent someone who is facing the death penalty. Lori is currently being represented by Jim Archibald and John Thomas who are both death penalty certified in Idaho. You have to have certain certifications in order to defend someone who is facing the death penalty and both of them have that certification. Jim Archibald has been involved in multiple homicide cases and represented several high-profile high defendants, including the murder case of Angie Dodge, who that we will get into that case eventually. It's a very interesting one. Chad is currently being represented by John Pryor. I don't think that there's another loyal lawyer involved. I think it's just John. And he's the only one that I'm aware of that is helping to defend Chad in this case. The prosecutors are Lindsay Blake and Rob Wood. And then later Rachel Smith, a special prosecutor from Missouri who's very experienced in homicide cases. She's also been added to the prosecution team. The judge who is currently residing over the case is Judge Stephen Boyce. And currently they are in Madison County, but the trial is being moved. Chad's lawyer was very instrumental in the trial being held elsewhere. He felt that it was too close to home because those counties are so small. There's not a lot of people. And he felt that because of the media, Chad and Lori would get a better, not better trial, but people would be less prejudiced if they moved it to another county. So the trial will be held on January 9th of 2023 in Ada County, which is in Boise. That is a lot of people and they're all very relevant to the case in different ways. And normally with cases, you have four, five, six people that are maybe, maybe relevant, but the list keeps growing. Right now, only Chad and Lori are the only ones facing charges. I think that Alex would have as well, but he died. And I don't know if they were, if they will ever bring charges against anyone else for involvement, such as aiding and abetting or anything like that. I don't know if anyone did do that. Um, and they're still sifting through evidence. There's hundreds of thousands of pages of evidence that has been released and it's brought up time and time again, mountains and mountains of evidence. 
it's one of the reasons why things have taken a little bit longer to get the ball rolling is because of the mountains and mountains of evidence. That reason gets being brought up all of the time. So that is your who's who. I'll have, I'll try to have the post up later today with all of the wonderful graphics. I might just have the post up and then add the graphics later. So next week on Wednesday and Friday, Wednesday, we're going to talk about Lori Vallow a little bit more in depth. Her history, we'll talk about her husband's, her kids, and what took her to Rexburg, Idaho, the last place where both of the children, Tylee and JJ, were seen. And then next Friday, we'll go into depth a little bit more about Chad Daybell and who he is. Understanding who they are is really important and relevant to this case. If you love what we do, rate, subscribe, download, listen, follow. We would greatly appreciate it. You can find us on social media at Hot Crime Cold Coffee. And we love hearing from people. We're always looking for suggestions, topics for other episodes, or just want to hear back from you about what we are doing well or what we're not because this is just the beginning stages of our podcast. So we'll see you next week on Wednesday. And don't forget, we also have little mini episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, of just interesting crime updates and trivia. See you next week. Cheers.